This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Short show tonight. This is the, this is the 90-minute variety. Half show, as we like to call it. Show radio decaf, if you will. At 800-919-3776. We'll take it right up until 830. Then you got first pitch. Padres, Dodgers, game two of the NLDS. Dodgers seeing if they can continue their domination over the Friars. I don't know. Does that make Met fans happy? Like, if you're a Met fan right now, are you one of those vengeful souls where you're rooting vehemently against the San Diego Padres because they ended your season? Like, are you watching that series intently, you know, with your Dodger blue? We know the Wilpons are. Love the Dodgers. Um, Rooting for Clayton Kershaw tonight. Against you, Darvish. Remember, you, Darvish, beat you on Friday night at City Field. Are you all, all on the Kershaw bandwagon, Dodger bandwagon tonight? Does it soften the blow of the early elimination that you faced? I don't think it does much personally, but, you know, that's what you're going to hear tonight starting at 8.30. But we got a lot to cover between now and then, me and you. Joe Leo's here, Harvey Cruz as well. And you can get me on Twitter, as always, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. We'll get to all the football because it is Wednesday, so we can begin to turn the page on from week five into week number six in the National Football League. And, of course, both of our teams are playing inspired football. They're playing winning football. And maybe, just maybe, are authoring a little bit of an unexpected surprise here in 2022 in terms of their relevance in the big picture in the NFL. We'll get into all that stuff a little bit later on, as well as the Rangers, who had a very triumphant opening night victory at the Garden last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But we'll start it off, of course, with the Yankees, right? And they got their postseason off on the right foot with a win over the Cleveland Guardians in the Bronx. And it didn't start off ideal, but eventually the tide turned. You know, Stephen Kwan, who's had himself a phenomenal season, probably should be one of the finalists for Rookie of the Year in the American League if there is, if there is a, uh, a, a, a wise voting panel that elects such things. He's had a very good year. And he tried to get Cleveland off and running last night. But, you know, we're talking about it with Michael and, and Peter a couple of minutes ago. Th- this generally is always the likely outcome when the Yankees get matched up against the team from the American League Central, is it not? You know, whether it's Cleveland, whether it's Minnesota, whether it's Detroit, it doesn't matter. The Yankees just find a way to get it done in the postseason. And I don't know about you, but when he gave up, the, when I say he, when Garrett Cole gave up that home run to Stephen Kwan, then he ultimately settled down. And the big hiccup for Garrett Cole all season long has been that one bad inning, the one inning that would snowball. And that he would not be able to recover from. And, you know, he could be sitting there in cruise control for five innings, for six innings perhaps. But then he would always get into that one frame where he would run into trouble and that would be the end of his night. And it looked like last night that was going to be the third. Already given up the home run to Quan, loaded the bases, and then hands down, hands down, turning point, biggest at bat of the game, whatever you want to call it, was that strikeout to Andres Jimenez with the bases loaded to keep it at one nothing. Not to say that the Yankees wouldn't have won. If Cleveland extended that inning and, you know, rallied to put a few more runs on the board, we don't know. But at that point, too, okay, he gets out of the inning. It's one nothing, but he's only or he's already at 60 pitches, right? You didn't know if he would be long for this game. You didn't think that he would necessarily be somebody pitching into the seventh inning like he ultimately did. I mean, that's an, a, a pretty significant workload that early on into a baseball game. But then what happened? Stepped up. Very efficient, very economical fourth inning. Cleveland kind of played into his hands a little bit there. 
but he was able to hang on. And look, Cole answered the questions last night. You want to say that he silenced the doubters? Okay, be my guest, whatever. But you know as well as I do that that could change in a heartbeat, especially in this city. You know, it's almost like, what did you do for an encore after this performance? Well, hopefully for his sake, and if you're a Yankee fan, you go out there and you throw another good performance. Because whether it's against Cleveland again at some point in this series, if it indeed goes five, or if it's in the next round against either Seattle or Houston, he's going to be measured by what he does this time of year which means you have to go out there and continue to put up zeros, give this team some innings, and hopefully keep them in a position to where they're going to win a baseball game. And then I was pleasantly surprised by the bullpen. You know, because that, for lack of a better term right now, if you're the Yankees, is pretty much a patchwork unit. You know who's not there. You know, F. Ross is going under the knife. Chapman's nowhere to be found. So all these other guys, you're kind of just like – trying to piece it together if you're Aaron Boone, which, you know what, this time of year in the playoffs, that's essentially what it comes down to. That's how you manage. It's not even so much managing bullpens anymore once you get to the playoffs. It's managing a pitching staff, right? Because we say it all the time. Starters can become relievers. Relievers can become starters. You have to conjure up a plan to get 27 outs. That's what it's all about in the playoffs. How am I going to get 27 outs? Who are the pitchers that are going to be able to provide that for me? How many innings? How many? Whatever. That's what all the meetings and the analytics and all that stuff, that's what they do before games. And at least for last night, Loisaga, Peralta, Clay Holmes, they were the ones who had their lucky numbers called. You know, pick the name out of a hat. It was those three guys. And they did what they had to do. They got eight big outs. Kept the damage to a minimum, and the Yankees were able to get out of there with a win. And this was on a night where their offense really did not even take off, if you ask me. It really and truly didn't. You know, and I mentioned the other thing, too, about Cleveland and whether or not you think that, you know, they're in this thing for the long haul. You already started to see some cracks in their foundation a little bit because for a team that doesn't strike out all that often and strikes out the fewest of any team in Major League Baseball, struck out nine times last night. You know, so it's like once you get to the playoffs, once you get to a place like Yankee Stadium and you have those fans and you have that environment, it's almost like everything what we were suddenly is not anymore. And this was a night, too, that the Yankees won a playoff game and Aaron Judge really doesn't do anything offensively, right? Three strikeouts, 0 for 3. Didn't factor in, but it was still good enough because there are going to be nights where the bats just maybe aren't firing. And I know that you had a couple of long balls last night and you scored four runs, but sometimes it might take more than four runs. Sometimes it might take seven, eight runs. I mean, look at the first the, the first two games yesterday in baseball, right? Houston won an 8-7 game. Philly needed all seven runs to beat the Atlanta Braves. Unfortunately, that's almost kind of like the norm when you're talking about playoff baseball nowadays because the pitching is so suspect, I think, league-wide that you are going to get some high-scoring affairs. But Rizzo rose to the occasion, and you know that he always has the – it doesn't matter, look, he's going to go out there and hit 220, right? But you know that he could park one into the right field seats at any given time, and he did last night, and that was a big, big blast just to give them a little bit more breathing room, right? Harrison Bader – Doing it with the glove, doing it with the bat. And isn't it ironic, too? Like, you're watching Bader out there, and I couldn't help but think, 
And look, I was one of the most vocal critics about what they did at the deadline or didn't do at the deadline, talking about the Yankees. Okay? I'll be fair about it. I'll be fair. I thought it was a disaster. I sat there and piled on with the fact that you're talking about Harrison Bader, who's in a walking boot for the better part of six weeks after you got him, and you had Jordan Montgomery out there for the Cardinals, who was sitting there and, and, and morphing into the second coming of Cy Young, and the Yankees were getting nothing at all on their return. And ironically enough, what ended up happening? Jordan Montgomery didn't even make a postseason start for the St. Louis Cardinals because their postseason lasted two days. I know he came in out of the bullpen in game number two on Saturday, and he got a couple of outs. But Brian Cashman and company basically told you back at the deadline that, yeah, we didn't think that Jordan Montgomery was going to be able to essentially be called upon to get significant outs for us in the playoffs. Well, guess what? He barely got significant outs for the St. Louis Cardinals. And here's Harrison Bader, who already helped you win a postseason game. So I don't know what kind of crystal ball that Brian Cashman has in his office, but at least on that given day and at that time, it turned up exactly how you want it to if you're a Yankee fan, right? Looked like a genius. Now he's got to go out there and continue to deliver or else it's going to be all for naught. I don't think this series is over by any stretch. I don't. And I still think it's going to be longer than just a three-game sweep. Because I I watched this Cleveland team all year. They're a scrappy bunch. And especially once they get it back to Cleveland for minimum a game number three. I don't think they're going away quietly. And you still have to deal with Shane Bieber in game number two. And Bieber was very good last week in game one of the playoffs against Tampa Bay. Now, granted, that was at Cleveland. It was a home game. But he pitched into the eighth inning, was in control of it. Now, it was a nasty day, raw, kind of chilly, so it played into the pitcher's hands. And who the heck knows what the weather's going to be like whenever that game two is going to be played out there. Whether it's tomorrow, but, you know, the forecast looks pretty pretty dire right now. So whenever they go ahead and play that game, you know, Bieber is somebody that you have to contend with. And you're talking about Nestor Cortez, who probably has been the best Yankee pitcher all season long from start to finish. But Nestor Cortez has never done this in the playoffs before. We don't know what we're getting. You can hope for the best, but it's not a guarantee. But step one, complete, right? You got to win 11 of these things if you're a Yankee fan and you want to win that elusive championship, one that you haven't been able to take home since 2009. You got to win 11. Well, you got one of them last night. So 10 more. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll talk to you about what we saw last night. If you're encouraged, something maybe popped up that concerns you after last night's game, even though I don't see how that could be. When we come back, though, there is one piece of last night's game we haven't even talked about yet, and that is, of course, our buddy Josh Donaldson, who sources have told me in the last few minutes has finally, finally just reached first base. As a matter of fact, he finally got there. After hitting that one to right field last night. Just rounded first. A couple of minutes ago. Yep, he's there. So if you're looking for Josh, he's at first base finally. But I think it speaks to a bigger problem. And we'll talk about it. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get to all the football as well. Remember, short show tonight. We're only rocking until 8.30. Then it's game two, Padres-Dodgers. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You know, Cole brought up that light show. I mean, what are we doing with that? Like, I just, when you do things like that now, and, and it's happening like all over the place. Like Atlanta does this, I noticed. Like when an opposing pitcher is being taken out of a game, they like turn the lights out. And then they do like that tomahawk chop where like they have those, you know, everybody like puts their phones out or whatever and it's like light up. And I mean, is that supposed to like make a guy scared? I mean, these are grown men. Is he like, like what's the intent behind that? And I, bring, I say because the Yankees did that whole thing before the game yesterday where they turned the lights out, which is kind of hard to believe that, you know, this is what they do now at Yankee Stadium. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But I never understood like a play, like Atlanta like doing something like that, and I don't think they're the only one. Like this is now like a, a a thing that's fairly common. Are you trying to like scare a grown man? Do they think that if they turn the lights out, the pitcher who is being taken out of the game, that he's gonna not be able to find his way back to the dugout and he's gonna get lost? He's gonna take a wrong turn. He's gonna end up like out on the street someplace. Like what? What's the goal there? I don't understand it. You know, it's baseball. It's an outdoor sport. I'm not a big fan of, like, turning the lights out at an outdoor venue. Like, if you want to do it indoors in an NBA game or a hockey game, I know, like, that's kind of the norm now, right? That's cool. I mean, whatever. They've been doing that forever. But, like, these outdoor, I don't get it. Is there a concert? Like, you know, you dim the lights, and then the, the, the main act comes onto the stage, and, like, Bruce Springsteen's going to appear, and he's going to go right into Badlands. Like, what are we doing? I'll tell you what Josh Donaldson wasn't doing. Wasn't running hard at the first base. And see, normally, you know, you might give a player in that situation the benefit of the doubt. Right? You might say, oh, well, you know what? That was tough. You didn't know that the ball wasn't going to go out of the ballpark. He thought it was out. It took a funny hop. You know, he, he thought it was a home run. So he went into his home run trot. Even the first base coach thought so. Right? Gave him a slap five as he's going around first. But the problem with that is, is that you're talking about a repeat offender in Josh Donaldson. Like, this is the same act that he pulls all year. It's like the boy who cried wolf. So, like, when it legitimately happens to where you might be confused by it, I don't think that you get that cushion to say, oh, well, it could happen to anybody. This happens all the time. And it's not like he's ever scolded by the Yankees. It's not like the manager ever, you know, takes him out of the lineup for not running hard. And he wasn't going to do it last night because it's a playoff game. And I think that the method behind the madness of the skipper, and of course we're talking about Boone, is that he doesn't want to lose the player. He realizes Josh Donaldson gives me a better chance to get to a World Series 
with him being in the lineup and him being content and producing as opposed to us butting heads and there being some acrimony there. But what did Aaron Boone have to say with Donaldson not running hard out of the box last night? If he's getting it right away, is it is it an automatic double with he ain't the fleetest of foot? So we got to make sure we're you know we're we're getting where we need to get to, and so I'm glad it didn't end up hurting us. Bottom line, you know, read between the lines what he said. Hey, Josh, move your rear end next time. Cut the crap. It's the playoffs, right? Simply put, that's all he's saying. All right, let's hear from you. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Alex in New Jersey is going to be our leadoff hitter tonight. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Alex. Hey, how you doing? What's up, Alex? Well, I'm happy the Yankees won last night. And uh, I know if they reach the World Series, they're likely not to have home field unless, you know, the Phillies or the Padres pull off an upset. I'd understand about not having home field against the Dodgers because, you know, they were that great team. But, you know... The Braves, I'd be really upset because, you know, the Yankees, after 84 games, were 61 and 23, only to go 12 and 25, and then win, win 26 of their last 41 for a 99 and 63 finish. But, you know, I feel that if they continue to pitch well and, and hit well, they will get to the World Series. But I'm really hoping they can get home field. That's why I want Philly or San Diego to pull off an upset, but I know that's unlikely to happen. Alex, let me ask you a question. Okay, you're a Yankee fan, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. You just won the first game of your postseason. One that, you know, you yeah. hope is a long journey. You're going to have to get through Cleveland. Then you're going to have to get through Houston. and see. It's not going to be easy. To get to a World Series, it's not going to be easy, and it's not guaranteed by any way, shape, or form. Why are you concerning yourself already about home field in the World Series? You know, I just have that feeling that they get, this is the year the Yankees are going to win, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I have a feeling that, so. you know, Houston is going to lose to Seattle. I mean, Seattle is a tough team, and they shot themselves in the foot yesterday. Well, are they going to be able to get up off the mat from that one? And I thank you for the phone call. See, that's, that's the will. tricky part. That's the tricky part, though, and that's why these off days are weird. You know, because the, the, I've spoke to some people today in the game and when you lose a game like the Mariners did yesterday, heartbreaking, like heartbreaking, soul-crushing. It's like the Astros and Jordan Alvarez just like reached their hands inside the Mariners' chest and like ripped their hearts out yesterday. The Mariners could taste victory. And then to lose a game like that, you wonder if you're going to be able to recover from that. And that's why I think the day off today, it just makes it linger even more. I'm really curious to see how game two is going to play itself out tomorrow. Now, the thing that the Mariners have going for them is they got Luis Castillo, who's been a godsend for them since they acquired him at the deadline. Yankee fans know because they probably should have gotten him. And Seattle already locked him up to a contract extension. But you know what? Houston's got a pretty good pitcher, too, in Framber Valdez. Also, on top of that, here's the other reason why it was so bad. Because Houston is 31-7 at home against Seattle since 2019, 31-7. And if you're the Mariners and you're a team that doesn't have home field advantage in this series, you know that if you want to move on to the LCS, you've got to win one game in Houston. You got to. And you thought for probably about 99% of it, yesterday was going to be that game. You got a 4-0 lead, a 7-3 lead, and then you squandered it. So how do you recover from that? Knowing you still got to get a game there. I'll tell you this, if the Mariners don't win game two, series is over. 
because you're not winning three straight against the Astros, especially given the fact that you got to go back to Houston potentially and win a game five. But my man, my man Alex got to calm down a little bit. Like, r- relax about the home field thing. Any Yankee fan right now, any Yankee fan, if you look at this thing logically, you don't care if the games are in the Bronx. You don't care if the games are in L.A., in San Diego, on Mars. If you're in the World Series, you'll sign up for that right now. Don't matter who you're playing. Let's say hi to... Robert in New York. He's up next. You're on 9870 ESPN. Robert, how are you? Hey, Dan. How are you? What's Listen, up, Rob? Dan, before I get to two quick points about baseball and things, yes. can you tell me, because I'm planning a trip at the end of the month out of town to the Pacific uh, uh, Northwest. Mm-hmm. When is baseball supposed to start the World Series? Is there a fixed date this year? Do you know? Yes, yes there is. Um, I will get that for you in just a second. I know that Game Seven, if it October twenty eighth, is Game One of the World Series. That's uh, October twenty eighth, so it will mm-hmm. still be going on. What would be the last date in November? Game My Seven goodness. would be November fifth, if it goes the distance. November fifth. <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, I know. You, I'm sure people have gone. Uh, you've assailed your ears. I thought, frankly, that what Buck did Sunday night was utterly classless, and I will be honest with you. If I were Joe Musgrove and I did nothing and I don't care about what my ears were and weren't, I would have punched his lights out. Because, Dan, this is not Stalinist Russia where you're presumed guilty unless you're innocent or whatever. Uh, I mean, what, what what was the basis? And quite frankly, I don't understand the relationship between what he had or did not have. By the way, apparently the umpires found nothing. What he what he had or didn't have on his ears and the the rise of spin rate. I don't understand that. By the way, I got to be honest with you, Robert. I did, you know I doing the prep for the show tonight. I did not have Joe Stalin's name written in my notes, so I did not plan on bringing him up tonight. But you know, you went there. That's okay. I thank you for the phone call. Here's the thing about the Musgrove and the Bucks. By the way. Last night, if you were watching the Dodger game against the Padres, they showed Joe Musgrove in the dugout because he was just chilling out, talking to you know whoever it was. I will say this, and I'm not sitting here being a conspiracy theorist or anything. I'm just, like, painting facts. Joe Musgrove's ears looked a hell of a lot different last night in Chavez Ravine than they did in Queens on Sunday. You tell me why. You tell me why. Was it the climate? You know, Southern California versus, you know, Queens? On an early October Sunday evening, I don't know. That does that to you. I'll tell you what, next time I go to a Met game, I'll check my ears. It's not going to be till next year, of course, but I will check my ears, and I'll examine them thoroughly. Here's the thing, though, and, and we talked about this on Monday when it was actually the big story. I think if you're a Met fan, you're down, what, 4 nothing at the time when that happened, if I'm not mistaken. You couldn't touch this guy. You really weren't all that confident that you were going to touch this guy and get anything going offensively? Like, why? You know, if this happened maybe like in mid-August, you could have understood it because the Mets really had not been showing any cracks at that point. But if you watch the Mets for the last few weeks, you kind of knew that this team was kind of compromised. And so when Buck came out and did that, it just, to me, it reeked of desperation. Reeked of it. And I, I agree with what Joe Musgrove said after the game. They knew that they weren't going to be able to get anything off me, and so they were just plain old desperate. And it backfired on them. 
It backfired because it's not like it's not like it even rattled Joe Musgrove. Even if Buck's intent was not even to get him thrown out of the game, who knows? Buck might have went out there with just the intent to to throw Musgrove off his groove a little bit, just like the Padres were doing when they were stepping out of the batter's box every 12 seconds to get uh, Chris Bassett off of his rhythm, and it didn't work. It just kind of it, it's you pile on top of a disappointing end to your season. That's what it was. It was just one more log to throw on the fire. It's like, geez, we, you know, not only can we not get anything going legitimately, now we got our manager going out there trying to cause a ruckus and fan the flames, and then that came up empty. We'll continue this conversation on the other side at 800-919-3776. Yankees up 1-0 in command here against the Cleveland Guardians. Dan Gross' show. We go for another hour until 830 Right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Remember, we're taking it right up until 8.30. First pitch, Dodgers-Padres, game number two from out in L.A. Let's say hi to Jose. He's in Newark. He's up next here on 98.7. Jose, what is going on? What's going on, Dan? How are you feeling tonight, man? Jose, doing well. great. You tell me. What's up? Good. So, cold uh, yesterday, I was more relieved than satisfied. Um, when he hit the home run, I was like, well, here we go again. Here's Cole. And, you know, he got out of it and, and definitely um, felt good about that. But, you know, again, it, it, your last call or, the, or two callers ago, the guy that was talking about the Yankees being in the, in the World Series and home field advantage, I couldn't agree with you more. That that bullpen is in tatters. If we get that far, Aaron Aaron Boone would have been just brilliant, and because he has absolutely no margin of error with all of the that mash unit that he has with all of the injuries, so we'll need Cole more than ever to be dominant. Um, he was close to that yesterday, but again, man, he, <laughs> you get that hiccup and you see that home run and you just go, oh my god! And then you got the freak home run with the, the non home run from Donaldson, and you got the the booted um the booted error by the shortstop and it was like uh, we have like no margin of error like we have to go well because I mean Aaron and um Rizzo and every you, you know runs are at a premium pitching is so important in defense where you're not going to get a lot of cracks at that we own Cleveland but as we go through this this gauntlet we have to be almost perfect because we don't have a bullpen so right um more relieved I was more relieved. Than, than happy or you know chest out Yankees here we go here we go no there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks and you know I'll be rooting but there's a lot to be concerned about and I think yesterday was a bit of a, a microcosm we got we we got through it you know kudos to Cole and all of them for sticking to it and not letting things get out of hand but you know there is no margin of error and with Houston there and and a young hungry Seattle team there's absolutely no guarantee that we'll go to the World Series. Here's what you hope, right? And, Jose, thank you for the phone call, and you're right. I mean, because, again, as long as Houston is living and breathing right now in these playoffs, you're not the favorite to get to the World Series out of the American League. You're not. 
Houston is the team to beat. Houston owns the Yankees in the playoffs. Just like the Yankees own every team in the American League Central that they come across in October, the Astros, same to the Yankees. Exactly the same. And you saw last night, if you watch that game with the Astros, all right, it doesn't matter how far behind they are. It doesn't matter what inning it is. It doesn't matter what's on the damn scoreboard. They are never out of a game. And they have that quick strike ability offensively to completely erase a deficit. You know, that decision last night, too, like, I, I, I get it. You know, starting pitchers are creatures of habit, as you know well. And Scott Service, the Mariners skipper last night, with a two-run lead at that point, Paul Seawold gets two outs, the former Met Paul Seawold, couldn't finish the job, and I don't know if he's blamed the Mets yet because Paul Seawold, everything that, you know, has gone wrong in his career, he blames the Mets, even though he's landed on his feet in Seattle and he's done a nice job. But he takes Seawold out of the game, one out shy of finishing it off, and he goes to his bullpen, but he brings in Robbie Ray, who's a starting pitcher, a guy who won the Cy Young Award last year when he was a member of the Toronto Blue Jays to face Jordan Alvarez. Now, what's weird about that is, A, with Ray being a starting pitcher and two guys on base, normally starting pitchers do not come in and begin their night's work with men on base. You're either beginning the game or you're starting another inning where the bases are empty. And so that was a little bit of an adjustment there, which could play mind games with you. The other thing is, normally... You go lefty-lefty because the percentages are in your favor. Jordan Alvarez hits lefties better than he does righties this year. And three, if you want to really even go deep-dive strategy into this game, you had a base open. Now, you don't want to load the bases. You don't want to put the winning run on base ordinarily. But Jordan Alvarez, anybody who knows anything about baseball, like this dude is a machine. And you saw what ended up happening. And I guess the cardinal sin was... If you didn't like the move, is that apparently they didn't run the scouting report by Robbie Ray. Hey, Robbie, I know you got an electric fastball. I know that you're a strikeout pitcher. You're a power pitcher. But don't try to throw one past this dude right in the middle of the strike zone because he could hit it to Cape Canaveral, and he did. You know, throw in some breaking stuff, right? You know, make him chase a little bit. There is no harm with putting him on base because then – you got Ray coming up, or I mean, you got, I think, Bregman was on deck. And all right, you have a lefty-righty matchup there, but you got your guy in Ray, Bregman, who's dangerous in his own right. But still, if you're asking me, I would rather take my chances of going after Bregman than I would Jordan Alvarez. And I didn't have a problem with it at the time. I thought, you know what, hey, cool. You know, Ray is arguably the best left-hand pitcher you got coming out of your pen. I know he's not your best starter, but still. He just lost the battle. Just lost the battle. 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Richard. He's in Manhattan. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. What's up, Rich? How are you? Hi, Dan. You know, I thought the best, the most important play for the Yankees yesterday was the beta home run in the bottom of the third, you know, because that tied the game, and I think that made uh, Cole relax a little more. I, I thought so. That tie game was a lot better than one nothing going into the fourth. Anyway, I thought Boone did a great job, and I disagreed with both moves. Uh, uh, Cole at 101 pitches. I thought he could have went 110 to 112, and I would have let him go to one more batter in the seventh inning, and I wouldn't have been a quick hook. The guy got a base hit, but it wasn't a really hard hit ball. You know, it was off, I think, IKF's glove. Mm-hmm. So I would have let him go, but it was right. He brought in Luizica. Then he brought in Peralta, 
And Peralta, eight, uh, four straight outs, four straight batters, eight pitches, four straight outs. So I didn't see the reason to take him out, lefty-righty. And then uh, Holmes came in and hit the guy, but he was right there, too. So you got to really give credit to Boone. He made two, you know, crucial decisions with the changing of the pitches, and they both worked out perfectly. Uh, the player of the game to me was uh, Rizzo. Rizzo is fantastic. I mean, I remember Keith, and, of course, I remember Mattingly and all, but these guys, they couldn't have been better than this guy picking up the ball on bad throws. These guys, their shortstop is not – they didn't have a shortstop like IKF. This guy, he's throwing the ball all over the place. Without this, without Rizzo at first, forget about it. If you had Alonzo at first there, with all due respect to Alonzo, those wouldn't, he wouldn't be fielding those balls. Those were tough plays. This guy – and then he gets the occasional home run for us. He's a good, solid player, very important. Uh, you know what else I noticed, too? In mm-hmm. yesterday's Seattle game, uh, they had just come back from a 7 nothing deficit against Toronto, and now they were on the wrong end of a 7-1 uh, winning margin against Houston, which, you know, t- it turned in two quick days like that. Uh, Dan, as far as the Yankees, once they get a 2 nothing lead in postseason, the only other time, well, they're twice. I remember the 81 World Series. I think they were up 2 nothing on the Dodgers. And in Seattle, right, 95, they were up 2 nothing on Seattle. Right, but remember, the format was different in 95 because 95, yeah, you played. Yankee Stadium. It was 2 and then 3 in Seattle, right. right. But they were up 2 nothing now. Correct. Yeah, so once they get to a 2 nothing lead, they should be pretty safe, I would think. And one last thing, Dan, I want to mention. You know, I was thinking about what you mentioned about the Ranger game being the same night of an important uh, uh, New York sports team playing a baseball game that night. I go back to 1969. Now, in those days, the Rangers only played, I don't know if you know the history, Rangers only played their home games usually on Sunday and Wednesday night. The Knicks played on Tuesday and Saturday night. So the, the Mets were playing, I think it was the second or third game of the World Series on a Sunday afternoon. And I remember that night listening to the Ranger home opener in 69 right here. And I thought it was strange. I said, wow, here we are watching a baseball, you know, World Series game. And then you had the Ranger uh, home opener that night. So this brought back the memories watching, the, thinking about the Yankee game and the Ranger. Although this was concomitant. They played well, there was another one too, Richard, and thank you for the phone call. Uh, 19, 1986, if you remember. Uh, game seven of the World Series on that Monday night between the Mets and the Red Sox at Shea Stadium. And then over at the Meadowlands, you had the Giants playing Washington on Monday Night Football, which was a big divisional game at that point. And, you know, that would be the first of three meetings Giants and Washington would play that year because they would meet in the NFC Championship as well. Yes, yeah, so, hey, that's why October's great. You know, October, it's like the intersection of all of our sports. And last night, you had the Ranger opener and... Big game in the Bronx, of course, with the baseball. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of others that end up happening that way. What happens What happens if some of these Yankee playoff games fall on a football Sunday, too? Could happen. I mean, we had one on Sunday with the Mets. Mets had their season on the line on the same day as Jet and Giant victories. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We come back. We'll talk a little Jet football. I was out at Florham Park today. And, boy, did they got a big one against the Packers coming up this week at Lambeau. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. Phillies and Braves are underway. They're in the second inning. Phils leave Bryce Harper stranded at third with a chance to strike first. Could not get him home. Wheeler against Kyle Wright. This game starting three hours after it was normally 
intended to start because of rain, but they are getting it underway nonetheless. And we'll see what happens with the Yankees tomorrow. Um, you know, the forecast does not look great. We'll see if they are able to get that game in, but, you know, they've been wrong before. Remember that last week of the regular season, which was just last week, um, remember the, that storm that was coming up uh, into our parts and there was really a lot of pessimism as to whether or not the Mets and the Nationals were going to be able to play the games they had scheduled. But lo and behold, they got them in and the rain cooperated. So we'll see if that's going to hold true tomorrow. The thing that you have to avoid, and I give them credit with the, the Phillies and the Braves the way they did it, and the Yankees are going to have to do the same thing tomorrow. You're not going to want to start a game if you don't think you could finish it. And neither manager, I'm sure, is going to vote for that because you don't want to have to burn a starting pitcher, whether it's Cortez or Shane B. Imagine if you're if they start that game and then they're only able to play maybe like, you know, two, three innings and Shane Bieber is done. And then you're not going to be able to see him again until God knows when in the series because he went out there and threw too many pitches. That's the last thing that they want to have happen. And the same thing for the Yankees with Nestor Cortez. So start it with the intention that you are going to be able to finish the game. If you're not confident in that, then don't even bother playing it. And then we'll just find a way to work around the schedule. Today is just a strange off day. It really and truly is. And, and you wonder, like, given the forecast the way that it is tomorrow, like, couldn't they have maybe moved the game up to today? But I guess it's all with the networks and the TVs, and that also has a big say, especially when you come to playoff time, uh, trying to just map out this whole schedule. Say hi to Sonny in the car. He's up next here on 98.7. Sonny, how are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. What's up, son? Nothing much. Um, earlier you said after Bader hit the home run, you, you, you felt like it took a lot of pressure off of uh, Cole. But you know what? I think it took a lot of pressure off of Judge because the performance he has, I'll tell you what, we gotta we got to slow down and take it game by game. We won't get to the World Series if uh, Judge is not productive. Well, I, I, absolutely. I, you, the Yankees are not winning a World Series if Aaron Judge does not contribute a lot more than he did last night. But the point I was just trying to make was it was an encouraging sign because, look, Judge, despite the fact that he acted like Superman during the regular season, you can't expect a guy to go out there and be on every single night. I mean, we saw Judge yeah. slumping just trying to hit that 60-second home run, you know, for however many days it was. So, to me, it was an encouraging sign the Yankees were able to win a playoff game without Judge having a major role in it offensively. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we can't really bank on that going forward, but it would be nice if the team helped out. Yeah, well, and look, he will. And, look, I don't think that it's going to be a total wash. And, Sonny, thank you for the phone call. You know, that's not the way this is going to go for the Yankees. And if it does, that's another conversation we're going to have to have, you know, when November rolls around and the Yankee season is over. Because all throughout that march towards history and the record books with Judge, I brought it up several times. In the fact that, okay, this is great, you know, this home run record in 62, and I think that, okay, everybody was captured by it, but what happens if Judge doesn't go out there and produce in the playoffs, and the Yankees fall short of getting to a World Series? That's going to be the takeaway, probably, for a lot of folks. If the Yankees underachieve in October and Judge does nothing... You know, I'm sure that there will be people calling up this show and other shows on this station saying, oh, Judge didn't have anything left in October because he put too much pressure on himself during the season to get that number 62 home run. Right? And I guarantee you, imagine what it's going to be like if then Judge picks up and leaves and he goes sign someplace else. 
after a less than inspiring maybe postseason. But again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Not to say that that's going to happen. Let's say hi to my friend Artie. He's in Brooklyn. He's up next year on 9870 ESPN. Art, how we doing? Are we asking too much, Dan? Are we asking too much for our team to go out there in Lambo, coming off a loss that the Packers had and beating the Packers? Are we asking too much? And then are we fool's gold? Am I getting too pumped up now that we beat the Dolphins to expect this team to make a run? To make a run? To, like, give me a chance? See, you know what's funny? They say yeah. that against the Bills, they didn't make the playoffs. See, that's that's not the way I took it. That last game was the playoffs, and they had a disappointing loss to a team that had nothing to play for except Rex Ryan's pride. If the Jets could give me a split, I got the tickets for the Bills and the Patriots. To me, that's everything. Just get me to four and three. And I'm looking at this team, and I want to get you. I, listen, I, I know you can't, like, what are you going to cr- criticize, right? But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. They let the Dolphins, who are uh, uh, third-string quarterback, they knew they couldn't pass the ball on them. And they let this guy, the running back, 31, Mozart, whatever his name is, <laughs> play Beethoven on his. <laughs> and Mozart. We got coach. We got a little coach. Because that fourth down play on the, on the goal line fooled the hell out of me. That was a great freaking play. We can't stop the run. And our safeties, I don't want to say they're horrible, but they are not playoff-type safeties. So this is what came up, and you get my – I just – and I'll leave you. The mm-hmm. Panthers are selling off everybody. I have no idea if they have safeties. But I think Douglas has to make a move. He's got to make a move. There's no hurt feelings. But look at this team. They're getting the offensive lineman back. I think this team, if we can get safeties and a big fat guy in the middle, we are a playoff type team. I love you, Dan. All right, see you. Thanks. Art, hang in there. Art, see, Artie's passionate. Artie, Artie loves his team. He loves the Jets. Uh, the, the Mozart thing, that was that was legitimately laugh-out-loud funny, you know? Raheem Mozart. And, of course, it's Mostert. You know a funny story about Raheem Mostert? True story. I'm not making this up. Years ago, when I had my show on Mad Dog Radio, Raheem Mostert was a guy who was toiling around, you know, practice squads on the NFL. Might have been on Cleveland's practice squad at the time. I had never heard of him. But he was a guy that used to listen to my show, and he would call up just as a fan. I kid you not. And I got on the phone. I forgot what, you know, the topic was football related, but we were talking and then we found out that this guy's in the NFL and he's on the practice squad for what? And I had no idea. We checked it out and it was indeed legit. So Raheem Mostert, once upon a time, before he became the guy we know now and, and he, you know, shot to stardom with the 49ers, he used to call into my shows just as, as a regular list. It was, it was great. So I like to see that he's having success. Now, I didn't want him to have too much success on Sunday, which he did. But we'll talk about that coming up, some of the things that Artie just touched on, and more importantly, about where this team is headed, and the Giants, too, because let's not forget, they're 4-1. Dan Gross until 8.30, 98.7 ESPN.